Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. You are assessing a previously healthy 57-year-old woman who has signs and symptoms consistent with community-acquired pneumonia. You obtain a chest x-ray and confirm your diagnosis. Should you do additional testing? What about empiric treatment? What are the evidence-based options? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today, Robert Baldor, Professor and Chairman, the Department of Family Medicine at UMass Medical School, Bay State. Thanks, Bob, for bringing community-acquired pneumonia to our podcast this fall. Yes, Frank, we're rolling into another winter season. Uh, really looking forward to it. Yes, I'm sure you are. So um, this is the first update on the diagnosis and management of community-acquired pneumonia in, in quite a while. Can you tell us what's new what the recommendations are, talk about some of the, the, the tests they're talking about. Yes, this was a published uh, update here as, uh, by the Infectious Disease Society of America in conjunction with the American Thoracic Society uh, since 20, uh, 2007, so that's really uh, interesting to me. And um, over that period of time, not a lot of changes, actually, which is kind of neat to, uh, to see. Um, what they uh, addressed here were uh, issues related to uh, more concerns over um, uh, in a antibiotic resistance and uh, use of antibiotics uh, and, and various testing that is, uh, that is part of it. So it's a, um, uh, so, so within this, just to touch on a couple of, of key points, they said, you know, you really, there's no need for uh, folks with routine, I'm going to just focus, by the way, on outpatient treatment of, of um, community-acquired pneumonia. Um, this is a fairly uh, uh, comprehensive guideline that covers inpatient treatment, severe pneumonia, and so on as well. But for right now, I'm just going to look at uh, what, what's helpful as we're in the outpatient uh, environment to, to look at. And so they said, you know what, there's no need to obtain a gram stain, do cultures, Urinary, urinary antigen testing for pneumococcus or Legionella or anything, any of those types of testing when you're seeing somebody for um, outpatient uh, treatment with uh, suspected uh, community-acquired uh, pneumonia. It says, you know, unless you have a concern for MRSA, uh, Pseudomonas, or Legionella outbreak in the area, obviously there's a concern for an outbreak of Legionella, you would do this. So how do you know, though, when do you have a concern for somebody at MRSA or Pseudomonas uh, being there? Well, first of all, it would be people who have more comorbid conditions. That would be something to think about. But primarily, they're saying um, it's if they were previously infected. And so they had a previous uh, hospitalization and they were colonized, had those cultures uh, done in the past, or if they received any IV antibiotics in the last three months, which I thought was really interesting within the last three months. It wasn't necessarily that you were admitted, but any IV antibiotics within the last three months put you at much higher risk for drug resistance. So for those folks, you should actually be doing some sputum cultures and so on uh, with it. Procalcitonin, by the way, was another test that's sort of come up in the last decade, and a lot of people are using procalcitonin to make some determinations around the need for antibiotics or not. Turns out it's just not uh, good enough of a discriminatory testing. And so the recommendations are don't bother getting your procalcitonin. It's not really helpful to decide whether it's uh, viral versus 
bacteria, which is really sad. I was hoping we'd have a test that's there. The, the rapid tests just are not available at, um, at, at this time. Now, if you have H-flu circulating in the community, and, 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 and so as we speak here, H-flu is starting to come on board. I got my flu vaccine last week. Um, so the, and of course, uh, you would test for influenza if indeed it was a time of year when influenza outbreaks begin to circulate in the community. So you definitely would be uh, wanting to use that test at the appropriate time of the year. Uh, can, can you talk a little bit about um, how you go about making the diagnosis of community-acquired pneumonia? Is a chest x-ray necessary? What signs and symptoms make you think of pneumonia? Yeah, I mean, the case you presented was somebody who actually had a chest x-ray that confirmed that most cases are uh, determined on clinical grounds, so it is a clinical judgment. Uh, typically, uh, there's a, a scoring system, actually, that's out there that's a predictive uh, tool, and I'll just kind of cover this a little bit. Um, you want to have, uh, if you have three points in the scoring tool, your uh, uh, the pr uh, likelihood ratio is 14, so high likelihood. And that would include having a temperature of greater than 100.1, having a respiratory grade, rate of greater than 25 per minute. So you're a little tachypnic here. Again, we're talking pneumonia, Frank. So we're talking about a significant infection in the lungs. So you'd be tachypnic, uh, respiratory rate greater than 25. That gets you two points. Um, sputum production. So, but a sputum production throughout the course of the day. It's not, you sort of get up first thing in the morning, you cough a little stuff up and it clears. It's sputum production throughout the course of the day. That gets you a point. Myalgias get you a point, which is interesting. I always sort of think of myalgias more with uh, influenza. And night sweats get you a point. So you can see here signs of infection. There are a couple things that take away points. A sore throat takes a point away. Rhinorrhea takes two points away. And so part of what this tool is doing is trying to distinguish between an upper respiratory infection, sinus conditions, and so on, versus a lower respiratory condition. So again, then on your exam, you would assume you're hearing something in the lungs, of course, whether you're hearing uh, ronchi or wheezing uh, going on. And so those are the general guidelines that, that, that people use. All right. You, you mentioned that they did um, not change much information on the antibiotics, but can you remind us about how we choose antibiotics for community-acquired pneumonia for low-risk patients? So if you're... Um, so you've, you've diagnosed somebody with community-acquired pneumonia. They're otherwise healthy, though. You're going to use empiric treatment at that point. And the guidelines say amoxicillin, Frank. Uh, amoxicillin a gram three times a day. Or doxy, 100 milligrams, BID. Right? Or a macrolide, which would be like azithrom, uh, azithromycin, uh, the five-day course of azithromycin. So pretty straightforward um, treatment that you would uh, that you would be using uh, for that. And again, the, the macrolide would be in an area where you, there's low pneumococcal macrolide resistance. So um, in many ways, it's probably better to go with amoxicillin and doxy, as we are seeing increasing rates of uh, macrolide-resistant pneumococcus. And how about for the high-risk patients? What are the recommendations there? Yeah, so who's a high-risk patient? Well, that would be somebody with a comorbid condition. We always think of our diabetics, those with COPD as part of that, but also folks with other chronic conditions, whether they have a cancer, alcoholics, asplenism, uh, congestive heart failure, uh, chronic renal failure, those folks are all at, uh, at, at high risk. And again, anybody who's been hospitalized or had previous uh, IV antibiotic treatment, those are the folks you want to be thinking about. And for those folks, you're actually choosing a beta-lactam with a macrolide. All right? You can also use monotherapy, monotherapy with a fluoroquinolone, and I probably would be going with the monotherapy myself. Uh, that would be, say, levofloxin, uh, 750 milligrams a day is an example um, of, of, of monotherapy. And, and one of the things this guideline stated that surprised me was how long to treat patients. 
Yes, and this goes along with what we're seeing more and more of saying, you know what, our standard traditional treatments, 10 to 14 days for antibiotic treatment, are too long, and it's probably leading to a lot of the drug resistance that we're seeing. And so this guideline actually says, guess what, five days for community-acquired pneumonia. Now, part of the caveat here is if they're improving after the first two days. So if you're clearly seeing improvement after the first two days, five days is sufficient length of treatment for, um, uh, for treatment. So I think from my perspective, it's, it's prescribing a five-day therapy, maybe with one refill. And then if the patient's not getting better, they can continue for another five days. But five days is really uh, sufficient. Well, and that'll, that'll lower costs. That'll lower drug resistance, lower adverse events like C. difficile and gastric upset and so forth. So that's actually terrific. The, one of the things this guideline did that helps, helps me a great deal is you, you've made the diagnosis, you've got a chest X-ray. Do I need to get a chest X-ray to prove that the pneumonia is gone? Yeah, fascinating, because that's been the standard I've done for years, got to get a chest X-ray. And they said no. They're saying if somebody's symptoms have basically resolved in a week, there's no benefit to doing a follow-up uh, chest X-ray. Uh, obviously, if, if people aren't responding as you assume they're going to respond. You want to do a follow-up chest x-ray, that's probably more to look at the worsening pneumonia than it is for worry of lung cancer. I mean, the treatment has always been, man, is this a lung cancer that you're, uh, that you're seeing? They do go on to say if you have people who are at risk for lung cancer, smokers, you would, they should be screened for lung cancer along with regular protocols. But there's no need to be bring people back in to look for resolution if clinically they've resolved. And again, you know, you get that thing in your office called the stethoscope, take a good listen to the lungs, and if it's clear, don't bother radiating them. So I thought that was wonderful that that's actually now in a, in a guideline. Well, this guideline and this decision tool are both highly informative. We'll make sure the links to this paper as well as the decision tool will be on the landing page. I think from now on, if I suspect a patient has pneumonia, I'm going to use that decision tool. I'll go with the shorter course of antibiotics and, and provide good follow-up and, and probably not get too many post-treatments chest x-rays. Thanks so much, Bob. This is terrific. Thank you, Frank. It's been really neat to read this guideline, and absolutely, let's move towards an evidence-based approach to what we're doing. Practice pointer. For patients who you suspect might have a community-acquired pneumonia, use a standardized decision tool and get a chest X-ray to confirm your clinical suspicions. Then treat with antibiotics, typically amoxicillin three times a day, doxycycline twice a day, or a macrolide, and consider a five-day course if patients are improving. There's no benefit to a follow-up chest X-ray if the patient improves. Join us next time when we talk about improving parent-teen communication. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com podcast, and see you next week.